You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. In just uh, less than two weeks, we're going to be stepping into a new year, 2022. And, and that video you just saw is a series we're kicking off uh, in two weeks in January, talking about how with all of the struggles, difficulties, good and bad that we face, we have this strong belief that God has placed you at this point in history for such a time as this. And throughout the month of January, we're going to be walking through the story of Esther and how God has put you and positioned you in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your family for a purpose. Let's step into that purpose and make the most of the time that God has given us. If I have the chance to meet you, my name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor here at Calvary, and we are just so blessed to have you join us this morning as we celebrate Christmas together here at Calvary. Uh, If you didn't hear this already, if you have kids, uh, there is a little card that you should have gotten with a QR code, or you can go to ckchristmas.calvaryrowin.com. We have a video that Pastor Ron put together for the kids that they can enjoy throughout the message this morning. I want to encourage you to check that out. Uh, Now, the the first great war uh, that, that really hit the globe uh, worldwide that became later known as World War I would bring certain uh, atrocities into our world like we've never known before. And one of the, 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 the harshest practices of World War I was something known as trench warfare. Now, trench warfare is what you would expect it to be. You had infantrymen from uh, multiple sides who would dig these long, narrow trenches, would bury themselves in those trenches to keep from getting shot at or the shells coming at them, but also to avoid uh, the the biological warfare that was too common during this war. And, And while this was done ultimately for protection, it would cause a whole slew of other issues, infectious diseases, like uh, uh, dysentery and cholera and typhoid fever were rampant throughout these trenches. On top of that, there were rodents everywhere, which helped further spread disease. It was an ugly, incredibly scary place to be in World War I. In fact, listen to this quote from an infantryman from Wisconsin. His name was Quirin Grossi, and he writes this about his time as a soldier in the trenches. I could hear these shells coming over, and I really began to know what fear was. Think about this. As an 18, 19, 20-year-old, he had thought he knew fear, but fear truly hit him as in those trenches. Now imagine being one of these soldiers. You're 19, 20 years old. You've embarked on this adventurous journey from your hometown to represent your nation at war. Even through the struggles of boot camp and training, you still hold on to this anticipation that somehow you're going to be able to do good by eradicating evil through this war. But you could have never imagined finding yourself living in the conditions that existed in these trenches. Every breathing moment could be your last. You didn't know what was going to take your life, either the enemy you were trying to protect yourself from in those trenches, or the very conditions in those trenches. And I know this is kind of a weird topic to discuss today as we celebrate Christmas, because Christmas is really the antithesis of these kinds of circumstances. It's a time filled with joy and peace, with the celebration of everything that brings value to our lives. And yet, so many of us have found ourselves over the last almost two years, even during this Christmas, dealing with the incredible fear and anxiety that our world has brought onto us. 
We're almost like those soldiers walking into war with this incredible anticipation of the good, but experiencing the difficulty of the bad. And in fact, listen to this. In, in 2019, in America, an average of 7 to 8% of Americans struggle with anxiety. It's almost one out of every 10. In 2021, this year, that number has jumped to 30 to 35% of Americans that struggle with anxiety. And, and while we might not find ourselves buried in the trenches of Western Europe, the reality is uh, we have experienced fear at a level we've never known before. The fear of what might happen, could happen, is happening in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, in our world. And, and this has been enough to send us over the edge. So the big question is, how do we walk into a time that's so, supposed to be filled with joy when we're struggling, where we're worried, we're scared, we're afraid? Like, like, do we just suck it up, put on a good face, and at least try to give everyone the impression that everything's okay? Or could there possibly be another way? Now, let me say this up front, and this is a principle that's really important for us here at Calvary. It's okay to not be okay. In fact, can we say that together? It's okay to not be okay. And and recognizing things aren't okay is actually a really healthy practice. So let's try to do anything we can today to not put up that fake front, but to be real and authentic. And I think we could actually learn some lessons from the soldiers who endured those unthinkable circumstances and conditions in the trenches of World War I. See, on December 7th, 1914, Pope Benedict XV uh, asked, declared, requested that both sides of the war come to a temporary truce to celebrate Christmas. So on that one day, December 25th of that year, he asked that the two sides take a a temporary truce to celebrate Christmas. The, The warring countries all refused to create any kind of an official ceasefire. But the soldiers who were in the trenches, they determined to declare their own unofficial truce. So starting on Christmas Eve, many of the German and British troops in those trenches began to sing Christmas carols to each other across what was known as no man's land. At certain points, some of the Allied soldiers could even hear brass bands joining the Germans in their joyous singing, kind of like Scott with his trombone. I don't know, you know, if that was there, but I think it was. Um, And at the first light of dawn on Christmas, some of the German soldiers emerged from their trenches and approached the Allied lines. And they began to declare in their native tongue and say to their their enemy soldiers, Merry Christmas. At first, the Allied soldiers feared it was a trick. Like, what are they trying to do? But seeing that the German soldiers were unarmed, they knew it wasn't. And so they too started to climb out of their trenches and shook hands with these enemy soldiers. The men exchanged presents of cigarettes and plum pudding and sang Christmas carols and songs with each other. Some Germans lit Christmas trees around their trenches. And there was even a documented case of soldiers from opposing sides playing a good-natured game of soccer together. And for that one single day in the middle of terror and devastation and destruction... The fear dissipated. And it wasn't because the trenches were destroyed, the war was ended, or any of the disease was eradicated. All of that still existed. 
But on that cold day in 1914, Christmas brought people together from different sides and illustrated an important principle about fear and anxiety and being scared. And it's this, that when someone is with us, the fear of what is against us diminishes. When someone is with us, the fear of what is against us diminishes. It's a common principle of life. We experience this oftentimes as children when we're afraid or scared and a parent or grandparent or someone close to us embraces us or moves close to us. When we know that they're with us, even in the face of difficulty, the fear diminishes. And for that special day in the middle of World War I, the fear of all that was happening in the trenches diminished momentarily because the soldiers from opposing sides were actually with each other. Now, one of the misconceptions of human, hit, human nature is that things are worse today than they were back then, whenever back then is for you. So we find, oftentimes find ourselves saying, hey, in my 20s and 30s, you know, I have it so much more difficult than my parents have it. Or, or in my industry, you know, things that I face are so much more difficult than people did in yesteryear. And, and we long for the years gone by, the good old days when things were so much easier. But here's the reality. Things have never been, quote unquote, easy. We live in a very broken world. And our world has always had issues. Sometimes they're just more visible or evident than others. And I want to illustrate this by, by kind of rewinding a little bit back into history, back about 3,000 years to the mid-700s BC. And at this time, uh, the nation of Israel, which the scripture oftentimes focuses, especially in the Old Testament, on the nation of Israel, they were God's chosen people. And, and the nation of Israel had been divided into two different countries. The northern kingdom, known as Israel, they maintained that name, and the southern kingdom, which was known as Judah, which was much smaller. And the king of Judah, his name was Ahaz. Ahaz had only been serving his king for a few years. And there started to be whispers that something was, was brewing. That, that two of the nations north of them, uh, one of the strong powerhouse nations in that region, uh, the nation of Aram, their king uh, and the king of Israel were allying with the goal of attacking Judah and conquering them, more specifically, the crown jewel of Judah, which was the city of Jerusalem. This sent fear through the veins of, of Ahaz. He didn't know what they were going to do. How could they defend themselves? They were a tiny nation. They surely would be conquered and everything would come to an end. So what does he do? He, he prepares for the potential attack, the possibility that Jerusalem is going to be under siege. So one particular day, at one point, he goes out to the aqueducts outside the city of Jerusalem to inspect them, make sure they were functioning properly, that water was flowing properly into the city in case this were to happen. And as he's there, most likely processing this imminent attack, this man by the name of Isaiah, along with his son, show up. Now, Isaiah wasn't just a random person. Isaiah was a prophet. And, and a prophet was a person that would, would share the words of God with his people. So Isaiah had functioned uh, a number of times where God would speak things to him to share with someone else. And, and God had spoken to Isaiah in this moment to meet King Ahaz out at this aqueduct outside the city of Jerusalem to give him a very important message, a timely message for what Ahaz was facing. And it's recorded in the first part of the Bible we call the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah in chapter 7. Here's what it says in verse 7. It says, it will not take place, it will not happen 
It's encouraging words. <clears throat> For the head of Aram is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is only Rezin, who is the king of Aram. Within 65 years, Ephraim, which is speaking of Israel, will be too shattered to even be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is only Remelia's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, he's speaking this to Ahaz, if you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Now, what Isaiah was saying was, God wants you to know, Ahaz, this isn't going to happen. You and your people are going to be safe. I will protect them. I've got your back. This was an encouraging statement to Ahaz. Now, you might think that information would calm Ahaz's fears, but they didn't. Why? Because, uh, honestly, information rarely calms our fears or our anxiety in life, right? Like, think about it. For people just to say, hey, you're going to be safe. It's okay. Or, or it's all going to work out in the end. Or don't stress. You've got this. Maybe you've had people say that to you before. Um, usually when you're about to do something really scary and they say that to you, you're like, no, that didn't, that didn't help at all. I remember as a youth pastor here going on uh, the, uh, the, the ride at Kennywood, the, the sky coaster, where you like fall to your death and then swing. If you haven't gone on it, you've got to try it. It's, you know... It's guaranteed almost pee your pants every time. And I remember, I remember getting strapped in and two of my teenagers are with me. And I'm like, why am I doing this? This is the stupidest thing I've ever done. I should not have done this. And they're strapping me in. And they're like, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. I'm like, those words are not comforting me right now. They're not helping me. Maybe you've been in that place before where you're doing something scary. You're about to do something that you're worried about, you're anxious about, and people are like, it's going to be okay. It doesn't fix it, right? Well, God knew this. This wasn't going to help Ahaz. His words alone didn't really do the job. And what I love about how God works in the world and specifically works here with Ahaz's life is, is God understands us better than we even know ourselves. He knows us well. And recognizing that information wasn't enough, God tells Isaiah... Isaiah, tell Ahaz to ask me for a sign. Meaning, ask, tell Ahaz to ask me for proof that what I'm saying is actually going to happen. Makes sense, right? Ahaz refuses. He's like, I'm not going to ask God for a sign. I'm not going to do it. So, so God does what good parents do. Even when your kids don't say what they're supposed to, you do it anyway, right? And this is what God's going to do. God, God's like, if you're not going to ask for a sign... I don't care. I'm giving you a sign. And here's the sign. It's recorded in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Now, this was a statement for King Ahaz in the 8th century, a sign that God's got you. And, and to, to kind of wrap that story up, God truly did protect Judah. Uh, they weren't conquered by Aram or, or, or Israel. They were protected. They were victorious. But this was more than just a sign in the 8th century for, for a king, the king of Judah. Uh, it, it was something bigger than that. This was a monumental promise, or what we might call a prophecy, of something God was going to do over 700 years later. And, and in the first chapter of the New Testament, in Matthew's gospel, an angel appears to a man named Joseph and gives him some really unsettling news and ties it back to the promise that Isaiah had spoken. Joseph had already found out that the woman he was pledged to be married to, Mary, was pregnant. Now, that might not mean anything to you, but in the first century for a Jewish person, this was about as bad of news as you could get. Mary would have been not just outcast, she would have been shunned from society. 
This is devastating. It doesn't just change how people look at Mary. It changes how Mary can do everything in her life and in society at this time. Now, Joseph being pledged to marry to her, that comes on him too. And and in fact, he did what any normal human being would have done. Uh, He was planning on just kind of distancing himself from Mary. Like, Mary, you take care of your junk. I'm going to take care of my stuff and I'm going to move on. All right? And and that's that's what he was anticipating to do. Let Mary go on, do her thing. I'm going to go separate and go do my thing. He's scared. He's frightened. He's worried. How is this going to work out? This doesn't look good. And in that moment, an angel appears to Joseph. And he encourages him with these words. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Can you say, do not be afraid? Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And and Matthew adds what the definition means, God with us. You see, this was more than just a sign to encourage King Ahaz. It's a sign for you and me today. It's something that this baby named Jesus would embody and be a message for all of human history. Jesus would be called Emmanuel, not just because it sounded good with his middle name, not just because it flowed off the tongue right, but because he wasn't just another religious figure. He was literally God in the flesh. God not simply for us. God not simply believing in us. He is God with us. And as we mentioned before, when someone is with us, The fear of what is against us diminishes. The fear that we face, the struggles before us, the obstacles in front of us will never be overcome until we can first recognize that the one that is with us, that Jesus isn't just cheering us on from the grandstands of heaven. He's wanting to walk this journey of life with us. One of the most famous verses in the scripture, Psalm chapter 23 says this, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You see, true peace doesn't come from the absence of trouble. It comes from the presence of God. As the worship team comes and we prepare to wrap up this morning, you know, Christmas isn't just about opening presents, singing beautiful songs, or enjoying the lights and decorations. Christmas at its core is ultimately about community. It's about the people around us. It's about recognizing that no matter what we face, we don't have to fear. Why? Because of Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came to this earth to ultimately be with us, not to be some distant figure on the, sh- on the bookshelf or some distant figure from our childhood. No, he came to empower scared people, worried people, anxious people. In other words, human beings like you and me to experience the joy, the peace, and the goodwill that we sing about. The problem is none of those can be fully experienced apart from the one that embodied them. The little baby born in a manger that became the greatest figure in human history. His name is Jesus. He would not only be born to Mary and Joseph fulfilling this prophecy of Isaiah, but he would live his life fulfilling over 300 other prophecies in his lifetime, ultimately dying a criminal's death upon a cross. But Jesus had the last word. See, the moment Jesus died, 
was a devastating moment for his disciples. Because this God who is with us all of a sudden wasn't because he departed in death. But Jesus had more in store. He would conquer not only death by rising again three days later, but all the wrong, all the mistakes that we've made, he took all of that on his shoulders and conquered that. He sacrificed everything, not just so that we could have our best life ever. He sacrificed it all so ultimately he could be with us. And and here's the deal. When someone is with us, the fear of what is against us diminishes. And and I don't know what Christmas looks like for you. I don't know what you walk into this place with or you're watching online and the the struggles you're facing. I don't know, but I know God does. Because here's the deal. We walked into this place with all kinds of stuff, fear and anxiety, stress, worry, things that, that are awesome and things that are difficult. But, but the God that wants to be with us was here before us. He's walked the path you're walking right now already. And he doesn't want you to have to walk it alone. He wants to walk it with you, not just to like cheer you on and make you feel better. You know, like you put a little nice uh, cross around your neck and you feel better because you have a cross around your neck or you put that Bible on the shelf and you just look at it and you feel better. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a God who spoke everything into existence, a God who can heal the sick and raise the dead. Like that God wants to be with you. And, and he's not going to push his way in. You have to be willing to say, God, I, I want you in. Why? Because he respects your choice. He died to give you a choice. And he respects your choice. And you have to make that choice. And, and in this Christmas service, 2021, there's no better choice than you could make than to say, Jesus, I want you to be with me in my life. I want you to forgive me of all the wrong that I've done. I want you to empower me to live according to the purpose, that unique, incredible purpose you put me on this earth to experience and to fulfill. And, and today, before we wrap up and sing some songs here, I don't want to rush past and not give you the opportunity to say, you know what, I want, to, I want Jesus to be with me. I want to experience all that he has, is for the forgiveness of my past, the purpose for my future, the empowerment for my present. That's the Jesus I need in my life. And I'm going to pray here in a minute. And as I pray, I just want you in your own words, just to speak to God yourself. Say, God, I just need you to be with me. Forgive me. Empower me. Use me. And if you pray that prayer, you ask him, you, you, you welcome him in to be with you into your life. I want you to stop by the Connection Center. We want to give you some resources to help you continue journeying with Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, I thank you for all that you've done. Lord, I thank you for your promises. I thank you, Lord, for, for, for the lengths you were willing to go to not just be born in a manger, but Lord, to die a criminal's death and rise again three days later. Jesus, be with us. During this time, be with us. Be that light in our darkness, Lord. Be, Lord, the empowerment when we are weak. God, be with us, I pray. Forgive us of our past and the wrong we've done. God, empower us for what you have before us, the future and the purpose you've put us on this earth to fulfill. We thank you, Jesus, for that. In your name we pray. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. 
At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 